0: Welcome to the very first recorded podcast, episode number one of Stories of Strength. Um, Just for anybody tuning in, obviously it's the first time you're tuning in. Um, I came up with this idea, it was my brainchild. Um, I really wanted to create an inspirational video, something that would inspire a lot of people. And then one of my really good friends said, why don't you do a podcast? So and started the dream of having a podcast. And another friend helped me come up with a cool name. So there came the name. And today I'm actually bringing this dream to fruition and shooting our first episode. Stories of Strength really is designed to inspire people that are one step away from making the best decision they've ever made in their life. It's one step away from taking the leap of faith. It's one step away from turning their life around, whatever you wanna look at it, but it's created. And why I'm doing this is to inspire people. And how we're gonna do that is, I am bringing in amazing guests, like my friend here, who I'm going
1: She's to- be. in as a me. guinea pig.
0: As a guinea pig. He's a little bit of a <sighs> guinea pig, but he's a good friend and he's somebody with a great story who actually naturally inspires people anyway. So what we're gonna learn about today and what we're gonna be talking about in future episodes are a point of adversity in my guests' lives. We're gonna talk about the moment when they decided that they were going to be a survivor and what they're doing today that's successful. And then a lot of the people that I'll be interviewing are also doing things to help people that were in the situation that they used to be in, whatever that situation might be. So the reason that I brought my friend here, who I'm gonna say his name right now, is the famous, wonderful, amazing, thoughtful kind. I can say all of the amazing describing words, Um, but you're gonna speak for yourself today because you're gonna share what makes Juan Grimaldo, Juan Grimaldo. So I will let you tell a little bit more, but I am gonna gonna let this go without a good introduction. Juan is a top producing real estate agent. A lot of his success, however, comes from helping other people to be successful. That's a great concept, givers gain, however you wanna look at it, your karma, you're doing things for the community and Juan, is the first person I thought of that I really wanted to have on this podcast because he inspired me actually to do this. So oh, that's right. where, like, we were sitting in my um, in my dining room, you know, and we were just talking about things I want to do. And Juan can do anything because he believes he can do that. anything. But, but you believe you
1: can? I think, right. I, I think that's one of the the. Well, thank you first of all for the opportunity to be here. Um, I believe that. If if it if it goes through your mind, it goes through your life. And I I'm from I come from very humble beginnings, and and my father actually lived in an actual hut up in the mountain when he was a little kid. They were super poor, and uh, so he was a man of strength. He was always positive, no matter what. He was like, let's just do it. Do it. Yeah. He wouldn't he wouldn't even think about it. So. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, was a little more like a. Uh, I love my mom. Was like a David Downey. You no, know, oh, you can't do that. You're, it's not for you. It's- Fear-based
0: thinking. Exactly.
1: Right? And and again, same thing. She she grew up very poor. She used to take off her sandals when they would would go down to the to the village to get you know uh, provisions for. Her for the family, she would take her shoes off because she didn't want them to wear out. That, oh. that was the only pair of shoes she had. Right. So. Um,
0: the whole reason for the shoes. She exactly. takes them off, right? But
1: again, this is these were her only shoes. So yeah. she would, you know, and, and I understood that later because I would, when I was 17, I came to the States and, and I used to go back and take her soap or or perfume and and she wouldn't wear it. I'm like, mom. Says, no, well, I might need it down the road. So they always had that scarcity mindset and believe it or not, we also carry it, right? Yeah. So um, anyways, I again, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I don't think I'm any special. I tell my team members, I have a team of agents and, and uh, staff, and I say, if I can do it, anybody can do it.
0: Not true, but very true that you are special. And the reason that- Thank you. Um, I really admire you is that you do give up yourself. And you have been very happy to mentor me. So you're not just a friend, you've been a client, continue to be a client, but you're also a mentor. I absolutely 100% believe that by, through your mentorship, um, my husband and I have made some really incredible moves in our life that we would not have been able to do without your advice, without your coaching, without your just inspiring us to have like not be afraid to make a move, and so I really want to just thank you because you inspired me. So now, well, thank you. I Appreciate want that. you to tell a little bit more. I want you to tell a little bit more about where you came from. That's the number one thing I want to know about from you.
1: Okay. Well, um, I was born in California, in Santa Maria. My father was a farmer. He and, and when I say a farmer, he didn't know a lot of farm He actually worked. Uh, he uh, he worked for this Japanese uh, guy that had a bunch of land and my father was, they call them medieros because they would, the the, the Japanese owner would actually buy the fruit from my dad, but he owned the land. He said, hey, just get as much of land as you can, farm it, produce, and I'll buy the fruit from you. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty good business. So when I was born, uh, I was more blessed than my brothers because I'm the youngest of eight. My oldest brother is right now, he's about 67 years old, I'm 43, and uh, they had it really rough. Growing up, my father was a, an immigrant worker or migrant worker. He used to come to the states, and he used to. He told me that he had to pick two thousand kilos of cotton to get a permit to get across to to work in the U.S. Wow! So, Talk about
0: re re uh, engineering your numbers to get somewhere, right? Like definitely. reverse engineering. Imagine he's knowing he has to do two thousand kilos.
1: Two thousand kilos of cotton, something that weighs nothing. Just so imagine that's that
0: two point four pounds. Right. That's about forty
1: four hundred pounds. Yeah to to get a permit to come across and he did it. I mean, when he told me that, that's I think that's my that's where my work ethic comes from. I don't feel like I'll ever reach my dad's work ability because he was a freaking superhero. Uh, but if if he had to work so hard to get there doing that, and I used to go to the fields when I was a little kid, and it was hard work. I remember my mom, she used to uh, walk on her knees because it was super hard, because you're bent over all day long picking strawberries, and you have to be fast, because if you want to make money, you have to move fast. Yeah. So my father was, and my my brother, my next brother, he, he worked with them. And I remember them making pretty decent money back then, mm-hmm. and uh, it was because of the hard work. So I was born in California uh, when I was 12 years old, um, I was actually recording a little. Uh, I'm doing a, a keynote, and 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 I was talking. I was thinking I was going back in time, and I was just reminiscing. And uh, when I was a little kid, I was 12 years old. My father said, "You know what? I'm retiring. I'm going to get my Social Security. Uh, we're about to leave." And and uh, he he took me and my mom to work. We were picking raspberries. It was brutal work. The raspberries have a lot of thorns. I don't know if you've ever seen that. So it was. It was brutal. I only did it for a couple of days. But for me, I'm like, man, how can he? He's done this his whole life. My father uh-huh. was 62 at the time. As soon as he was able to retire, he says, we're out. Right. So we go, we go to Mexico when I was 12. Uh, before that, I was coming back and forth with my mom because my father worked here seasonally. So he would come for six months and then spend six months in Mexico. So I went to school in Mexico, I went to school here. So you know what they say. You know if you do more than one thing, you're not successful at any one of them. And my English wasn't great. Um, I was good in school in Mexico, but I just struggled with it. So uh, we we left when I was 12. Continued going to school, and when I get to Mexico, they didn't accept my uh, my school year because they I guess they didn't match whatever. So I had to repeat. so I went to a different school where I didn't have any friends. It was one of the worst schools. Every, every worst kid in town
0: Goes would to have been there. Yeah.
1: And I was there. So it wasn't a great year for me or my parents because it was I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> um, and I did it for about a year. And then my mom sent me to Nebraska. My brother was living up there at the time. And I saw it as an opportunity. Again, I was so little, but I, uh, they, they sent me over there to keep the language, you know, <laughs> to continue to speak English. So I went to school there for about a year. They had me in ESL classes because I wasn't, you know, I couldn't speak English very well. And after a while they told the teacher, why do you have me here? I mean, we're always speaking Spanish, how are we gonna learn? And I said, just put me in regular class. They did it out of nowhere I was able to speak English. So it was it was a good experience. I was there for a couple of years, went back to Mexico, went back to school. Um, I did a couple of years of high school and uh, I was 17. Again, my father was getting Social security. Luckily he owned a home. So all he needed was, you know, that was enough for him to have a good time. Yeah. So I says, I think I better leave and let them enjoy their, you know, their their later years. And, and I came to the States when I was 17. So, wow. Yeah. Not
0: even 18 yet.
1: No, I was kind of in a hurry to live life. And my mom was a little possessive. So I was just, I just wanted to get out of the house. <laughs> so um, I that's did. a way
0: to rebel. Go to another country.
1: Definitely. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was a pretty, I guess humbling experience. When you don't have anything, everything's normal. Like that's what we had. So I came to the States. I started getting, a, I got a job. It was actually a pretty good job. I was making like $8 an hour and, and I didn't have a car. So my buddies used to take me to work cause we worked pretty close. So they dropped me off, picked me up. So I, I did that for about a year. And then I'm like, I think I can do something better than this. Um, so I went and worked at a gym and it was in sales.
0: Oh, that was your first taste of sales. It was brutal. Um, <laughs> Gym memberships.
1: Yes, it was. It was bad. So I I left that, and then I went back to to the same company, started working. So the reason I came to the states was I skipped a little section where um, back home my friends own little um, shoe shops. They make handcrafted sandals, waraches. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I used to work with them, and my father used to get upset with me because they didn't pay me anything, and I was just going there because they gave me a few beers, right? So. I would hang out with them, give me a few beers, and, and I was—they was, were my buddies. So the buddy that I used to uh, hang out with, he owned a shop, and he was really poor. The dirt—the flooring was dirt. The—the—the the, the roof was tile roof tiles, but again, they're not fancy over there. Underneath that, there's cardboard. Right. So when it rained, they had you know leaks all over the house, and and their mattresses were pretty old, and yeah. everything was bad. So he had a really bad bad. Uh, set up and on top of that I mean they weren't making much he was working every single day so then this guy would come over several people would come over and buy the shoes from him and they used to come in these brand new trucks
0: and they were reselling them huh?
1: Mm -hmm. so those Uh. brand new trucks had these campers custom-made so I'm curious what do you guys do oh we go around the country and we sell them we wholesale them and (laughs) that's awesome so I kept looking at that right now like this guy's here working his butt off every single day these guys are pretty uh, nicely dressed have really nice cars. And I knew where they lived because it's a small city. So I, we knew everybody That's and they had really nice homes too. So I got curious. And then after after a while, my brother calls me. He's like, hey, I'm gonna take a truck. Do you want to help me out? Again, I was 16 years old, around around 16 years of age. So I, I said, yeah, he was in Nebraska. I came over, drove a 1967 old pickup truck.
0: He did like this. Did it have the yep, gear shift in the...
1: Yep. So we drove it down to Mexico, he left it there, he came back and I'm like, I got a car now. And I did, so I the first thing I did is I told my buddy, hey, say, can you guys, uh, let me borrow some shoes and whatever I sell, I'll pay you guys and whatever I don't bring back, take whatever, because they're always they're constantly making them, right? They have these little factories. So I left, came back, I went for a week and my sister lives by the beach. So I went to the beach towns and then I I went to every little store and uh, in the flea markets, I'm like, I love this story. Buddy. And I started selling them, wholesaling them. <laughs> of course. And I came back and I made two hundred dollars that weekend. Okay. I'm like, man, this is good.
0: This to- was like in the '90s. Right?
1: It was in '96. So
0: two hundred bucks is still it was a lot pretty, of money. Pretty good, even and right in now, Mexico. Yeah. That's still really, really good.
1: Definitely. So mm. that was my first taste of real sales, and I said, I love this thing. So I told one of my buddies, "Why don't we go to the U.S. and export them? You know, here two two kids." <laughs> Thinking about exporting shirts. so I love it. Um, we came to the states. We started working in that company that I told you, and we made an order. We placed an order, uh, but what we did first was we went to uh, L.A. and Santa Ana. So we went to L.A. to the Mercadito, to La Placita Olvera. Uh, East LA, all the shops, the Mexican shops. Yeah. And then we went back to Santa Ana. Alameda is, spot meet. Yeah, <laughs> and we went to the spot meet too. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that have these, you know, you think little businesses, but they do very well. So yeah. we placed our first order and we made $5,000. Uh,
0: where in Mexico were you bringing the shoes from?
1: Michoacán. They're a huge exporter even to the world. They, so that's
0: not a really close city.
1: It's 24 if you drive 24 hours south.
0: Yeah. So you were driving in Mexico and you're gear shift truck
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you made five grand on the first truck?
1: That was actually, we imported them. Those we actually, I, we let me tell you, that, that was a funny story too. So,
0: I'm like, this is awesome.
1: <laughs> so the first time we did it, we had no clue what we were doing. So I placed the order with my friends. Hey guys, I want you to make these many shoes, these many some getting orders. And I used to, like just like I did in Mexico in my hometown, I used to hang my, uh, uh, I used to get a correa, which is a a piece of leather, Mm -hmm. and put all the waraches, all the shoes, Mm -hmm. and then I would hang them on my neck and be like, hey, which, you know, I would sell my, my, and I knew how to make them, so it was easy, an easy sell. So.
0: This is really cool. I know what you're talking about, too. Like, you probably walked in the open air market, and you had the shoes, you would talk to people, and they would be like, oh, I like that one, and you would sell it right off
1: of your we night. used to sell dozens no no we i had boxes of my truck was loaded of shoes and i would sell oh. dozens so i was so that's your
0: display stand that was my display oh. and i know how to make these
1: shoes so they were handmade quality guaranteed you know
0: can you get a pair today yeah okay uh, a couple I need of my buddies actually
1: yeah definitely <laughs> sure for sure i'm we're actually going on the 20th to mexico
0: oh good i'll put it in there. <laughs> no i just kidding I'm
1: definitely so um Anyway, so we the first time we placed an order, uh, there's a company that brings the shoes all the way to the border, and we went and picked them up from that company. Mm. And my buddy, I didn't have a car, so my buddy we took him over to Rosarito. We're gonna go party, we're gonna go to Rosarito, Tijuana. But then our intent was, was to know just that. have him loaded the <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love
0: it already.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we're coming back. You know, we're hungover, and and we're after partying and we get the shoes, We load it was actually a car, we load up the car and we're going across the border and the immigration is like, do you have a, a permit for this? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the shoes. Mm-hmm. I, no, you have to go to customs because they first of all have to say made in Mexico. So you have to stamp each one of them.
0: Echo a Mexico.
1: Echo a Mexico. And then um, after that you have to pay taxes. You have to go to a broker. Oh my gosh. So You're we like, went this back.
0: This just got really complicated.
1: Yep. So we had to do it. So we spent another an extra day there. We went to a broker, got in. The beautiful thing is we got a connection now they could ship them. So we actually, that was a good thing that happened cause we knew now how to do it. Right. So anyways, long story short, that was her first trip. We made it, we sold it and we did a couple more. And then we realized that in, in LA, there was a bunch of what actually like a lot of them. So, so
0: there's a lot of competition.
1: Yes. So it was actually one guy and we, I, actually knew his family but again it's a small city right so this guy flooded the market so
0: he came from michoacan also Mm -hmm. and he he was like the guy in charge
1: he came a little bit after us but the guy was bringing truckloads of shoes how did he
0: feel about that you were he probably didn't even notice
1: me because he was selling so many Uh, and the problem with that was he brought the prices so low that it wasn't profitable and the reason that happened is because he was selling all these shoes and he wasn't paying for them. So he ruined the market for us and we ended up, you know. Darn
0: it, so the shoe business ended up not working out.
1: Yes, yes. In Mexico, okay. it, it's pretty cool, because you start once you start getting into an industry, you see, in Mexico, Brazil was kicking our butts, because they have big uh, factories. And then Guanajuato, which is a big uh, producer, but then again, we used to sell made, these are handmade, those are factory made.
0: Right, and then, like you know, yours might have a little specialty, like the coloring could be different, mm-hmm. or, it has some imperfections because it's made by hand that yep. you wouldn't see on like a factory made item, which right. makes it unique. That's pretty cool. Okay. So shoe selling was out of the picture. It
1: was out of the picture. But it was it, it taught me that being the middleman is what what makes money. If you have like the guy making the shoes has yeah. to pay employees, has to buy all the material. And you know, it's it's just there's so much overhead. Yeah. And then the guy that I'm selling it to at the store Has to pay, you know, the rent, employees.
0: Yeah, let them have the overhead, right? Exactly.
1: So you're going to basically have, and then you're going to have leftovers, obviously, all the time. The shoe sizes or whatever. For me, it's like Mm -hmm. I put it from here to here and I make my money and I'm out.
0: Yeah, I like the low risk. I get it. So you're the sales guy, which is great.
1: It was fun. I I loved it. (laughs) So, anyways, I came, I was there. Then I started doing all kinds of jobs and um, I had a very low point because I had no car. So I worked at a, at a, at a grocery store, and I worked at a carniceria. It was a Mexican uh, grocery store. You so, had plenty
0: of food to eat.
1: That. Oh, yeah, yeah, no I used to buy the whole chickens and eat the whole chicken. <laughs> yeah, I was still growing, so 17, 18 years old, right? So, and uh, one of my neighbors from back home in Mexico sees me and he's like, what the hell are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? Get out of here, you're not supposed to be working here. i mean, what do you mean? You're a citizen, you speak English, don't do oh. this, and he called me many, many several bad words that I can't say here. But it was for me; it's a wake-up call, like the you the know Spanish
0: what? equivalent of 4 little words, right? Yes, yeah, I gotcha.
1: Get the out of here, and yeah. but you know, he meant he meant good when he said that because I, he saw more in me than I did of myself. So that was a punch in the gut, which actually made me realize that you know what, you're right.
0: That was um, an aha moment for sure. It was right? a very,
1: it was a huge a game changer. So I thank that guy for saying that. Even though at the moment I was probably confused, like what is he talking about, right? Did you feel
0: a little angry with him? No, well, actually,
1: it? I feel kind of a startled. I'm like, what just happened? But uh, after a while, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad he did. Otherwise, I would have stayed there.
0: Yeah, sometimes the moments that um, feel really uncomfortable, those are our growth moments, right? Or the moments where we're like, like you just said, you were kind of like. I don't want to use the say the word, but it is probably an accurate word. You were dumbfounded by what he had just said to you. You're expecting like we're from the same place. Like he's going to give me a hug and tell me good job. Mijo. And that's not what he said. He was like you. He probably was he in a position where he was not a citizen. Yeah. And he's like, why in the world are you doing this when you can go work anywhere? I can do this because I don't have the ability to do that.
1: Exactly. And so, he basically said that. He's like, this job's for me, not for you. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the first time I see yeah. him after from, you know, but maybe a couple months or a few months after since wow. I was in Mexico. So I thank him for that. Sometimes I, I come across like that. And I, I'm like, I mean, I mean it with love. Like, I don't tell you guys to do these things because it's, I've been there. And and when you were mentioning all these cool things about me, like, I I still have that imposter syndrome. Like, they're going to find out that I'm not great. <laughs> so it's uh, I think We, we all, all have
0: the imposter syndrome. It's it's a symptom of also like your humility because you still view yourself as Juan from Michoacan. Yeah. Like that's who you are. Mm-hmm. You're still Juan from Michoacan. Yeah. That has not changed. You just have learned more and had more experiences and you've added to your repertoire for lack of better words, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're not still the same person you are. And yeah. that doesn't mean that being the same person that you were when you were born, that same person you grew, right? But you're always going to be you. Of course. But doesn't mean that you're an imposter either. And no, I think we course. all go like, through that, right? It's not real, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: but anyways, yeah, that w- that was the uh, one of the, my my has moment. Then I I went and actually took a job at a temp agency, and at that temp agency, um, they sent me to a place to unload, uh, which is for me it was kind of humiliating. They sent me to unload a truck with little rolls of carpet. Oh my gosh, that was, it like was gonna be a lot of work. Yeah, so it was like six guys, we were doing that. And maybe after 20 minutes of being there, the manager comes up and says, who, who knows how to do inventory? And I learned that at my previous job I did shipping and receiving pretty much everything. I've always <laughs> been like, I'm
0: not unloading trucks, yes. I know inventory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they took me and another guy, and the other guy took us and, and he says, you're gonna go this way, you're gonna go that way. So I did my inventory, came back, says here, here it is. Uh, he's like, what, you're done already? Is yeah. Do you want a job here? Of course. Somebody's gonna pay you from me? to hire. Yes, and back then I was making $8 an hour, and then he's like, I'll pay you $14 an hour. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in, where do I sign?
0: That's a significant increase for sure.
1: Yeah, so I did that for about a year. Um, I'm gonna just cut the story short. Then um, went down to Mexico for a vacation. At this point I had a really nice car, you know, things started to look yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, I
0: was falling into
1: place. <laughs> so uh, I went to Mexico and, um, my my now wife and her sister call us and say, "Hey, do you guys want to hang out?" So it so happens that my my wife is my sister in law's niece. So my brother's married to my my uh, my uh, mother in law's sister. I understand. So, anyways, so we went out and, and I always had a crush on her, but I never said anything because I was poor. She wasn't and in mexico that's a big deal that is a big deal a big deal she was your
0: loose for real she
1: was my loose. she's my loose and she
0: still (laughs) is
1: yeah yep so we went out and at that point we were having a great conversation i remember exactly what she was wearing so um we i I shared with her that you know i always had a question and she says the same thing and i'm like what you never just, <laughs> I should have said something early, right? But um, you're
0: like, why didn't you tell me this before? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and at that point I used to say, I'm never gonna get married. I was having fun and I was just doing stupid stuff all the time. So um, we, um, we, go, we 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 go. had a great night and we left to her grandpa's house. And as we get there, I says, do you want to be my girlfriend? And she's like, you're leaving the States. And I'm going, cause she used to live, she, her family lives about five hours from where I'm in Michoacan. And I said, she's like, why? I mean, you're leaving and I'm leaving? There's no, you're I said, complete. just say yes or no. And I already had it in my head, this is mine. She's not gonna go anywhere. So I love it. next day, we got really late to the grandpa's house. It was 10 p.m. Did
0: so he trouble? was super
1: upset. Yeah. So the next morning I go with my buddies in Mexico, you go to the steam room to to relax and have some beers. They sell beer in the steam room, it's crazy. So
0: it could be less crudo.
1: Right. <laughs> so we were having a good time. So I go back home, I'm walking into my house and my wife, my mom says, hey, uh, Lucelena called, it. they're leaving. I said, what? So I call them, what happened? He's like, oh, my grandpa got upset. My mom doesn't want to deal with it. We're just gonna go back home. All right. So I get there like in the movies. I'm running to get there. They're packing up their car. And I says, so what do you think? And she hands me a little glass uh, with we need to put it says, I love you on it. Does that mean yes? Uh, she never said yes, but I assume it was a yes. It says, I love you. <laughs> it's a pretty good sign. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, she left. I came to the States, and I, I was in California at the time. And I had a lot of bad influences there. So, I told my, I, I told my wife, I'm going to move to your TS. She used to live in Nebraska. And so I moved to Nebraska.
0: Back to Nebraska, yeah. Yep. Okay, this is an interesting travel you've been on, journey.
1: Yep, so I went to Nebraska. When I'm there, um, I get there and apply for a job and I got a job right away, a pretty good paying job too. Um, then uh, we were talking on the phone for the next two, three months, and I proposed, you wanna marry me? And she says, yeah. I said, okay, I'll come over in May, bring my parents, we do the right thing. We'll set it up and we plan to get married in December. So we only went out one night, proposed, Flew back to, or uh, actually drove back, cause back then it was,
0: We're it was cheaper. More driving, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so we drove to Mexico, and uh, we, did, we We set up the, the date and everything. We went out for another week, came back. December 2000, we get married.
0: So how many dates before the marriage?
1: Maybe eight, because one we went out, and then the week that I was there for.
0: And how many years have you now been married?
1: It's gonna be 22 years, December 29th. Yeah.
0: That's a huge accomplishment. That's a big deal for people that got together younger, right? I was 21, yeah. Yeah, like you were pretty young. I don't think I was mature. I wasn't marriage material at 21 (laughs) for sure. Um, Wow. And so you got married. Did you go back to Nebraska with her?
1: So we went back to Nebraska. I was at that point a supervisor at the plant that I was working. Uh, We built cultivators, planners, and Um, I was 21 years old and and after a while she's like I I imagine the US a little bit different (laughs) it was a little bit (laughs) town
0: she's imagining like a New York right or an LA LA, where there's like shopping and you're in Nebraska.
1: And she comes from a big city in Mexico, too. You're like, too.
0: here's corn and a football game. That's Enjoy it. it.
1: <laughs> there's nothing else. Just corns and cows everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Midwest. So, typical Midwest. Yeah, It was
1: beautiful. I liked it. I had a lot of family there. So for us, every weekend, there was something going on. Nice. But um, I, I said, you know what? If you don't like it here, we don't have anything. Let's just go. And where do we go? Well, my buddy lives in Arizona, and, and he's saying that there's a lot of jobs. So let's go check it out. I love it yeah so I come here to the to Arizona and we got here the last meal we had was a corn dog we were super broke like we had nothing um and uh one of my friends or uh from Mexico actually owned a house and he rented us a room we used to sleep in a twin bed
0: you were sharing the twin bed mm-hmm. and you still liked each other
1: of course <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the beautiful part we were just you know nearly wet three months four months yeah? you're like it's okay yeah. We were young.
0: So it's still,
1: perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we we actually lived there for a little bit and then I was working as an electrician, which I hated. Uh, I did so many jobs and I hated them all. Uh, and I was I, I was in my lowest point. I, we didn't have sometimes even enough money to eat. And my brother uh-huh. let me borrow every now and then. My my compadre, which is my best friend, he lives in Mesa. He used to lend me 50 bucks, so lend him 50 bucks, 100 bucks.
0: Wow, and we were just kind of helping each other like make it to the next to paycheck. The week,
1: yeah. yeah. We weren't even a paycheck for more, we were behind a paycheck. So it took a while to get us, you know, get our, get our feet, uh, get, get, our, get on our feet. And so little by little, you know, we started getting better jobs. So in 2001, you know, there was another economy downturn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Mexico for a little bit. I was gonna join the Navy and I didn't. So we went to Mexico for a little bit. I opened up a taco shop for like three months. Really? My in-laws, they have a taco business in Mexico. I've oh, had that. it for over 40 some years.
0: Why have you never shared this with me?
1: Yeah. I, would,
0: I expect tacos one oh, of these of days. Handmade. Definitely.
1: We make the best. And then the salsa no the way makes amazing salsas. Anyways, I did it for three months and I, after seeing how much I was making, I said, this is not working out. So I told my wife, let me go back. She was pregnant with Helen. Uh, came back by myself and I begged this guy to give me a job. One of my buddies was working at the dollar store, 99 cent only stores, not a commercial, but anyways. Yeah. They're they, uh, not
0: endorsing 99 cent, yeah. they are good. They are good.
1: They actually were really good. I, <laughs> I went in and he gave me a job. I said, you know what? Honestly, I don't have any experience, but I have a family and I need to support them. Okay. Give me a job. So I sold myself, right? So the guy gave me a job and uh, I became a supervisor there at one of the stores. And for two years, we worked there. That's where my two kids were born. They paid for everything. It was, it was amazing. They were great people. Wow. Yeah. After That's that, incredible. yes. Then I worked at a rental center, because uh, I'm always an entrepreneur, so I tried many things. And, and it didn't work out, so I went back to work. And same thing. I went to, I was very negative. I had a very negative attitude for a long time, so I went to this place at a, at an Albertsons of so any other stores, and I was working for them as a, a clerk, and the manager was super positive all the time. I would ask him, how are you doing?
0: I was just gonna Terrific. ask you, how did you, cause I don't see you that way.
1: That was my turning point. Mm, I, was, I would had ask a him. mentor. Yes, and he wasn't even trying, like he, it was just seeing him.
0: Leading by example?
1: Exactly, so. Also,
0: I heard that was the best way to lead. Have you Definitely. heard this before?
1: Of course. <laughs> so I would ask him. I mean, how how are you doing? It's terrific. God, what's wrong with this guy? You know, it, it, it's weird how we say that yeah. about someone that's positive, right. but when someone's negative, it's like, yeah, it is what it is, right? We're so much more used to hearing the negative kind um, of dialogue. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's just constantly. We're so used to even like in the news, even when you get even even with the most positive people, sometimes you get together and the first thing you talk about. It's like it's going bad. I did it to you today. I'm like, everything's been really good. I just recently had a car accident
1: mm-hmm.
0: like and I consider myself to be a pretty positive person as well. But for some reason, we do share that part of ourselves with the people we're close to. And I think that you kind of gave me an aha moment right now of like, hey, let's start our conversations with positive experiences and kind of keep it on that, because then we stay in the mind frame of positivity. Right.
1: Yep. There's a great book that's called The Big Leap, and it's funny because even our accident, we caused them. It's insane, like why were you at the, set of the at that moment, in that place? Again, is it real? It's, I have no clue, but a lot of the stuff that they talk about in there, it's like...
0: Well, even if I don't know, I have to read the book, so I couldn't say yes or no, that I don't it. believe it's it. It's a good book to read. The Leap.
1: The Big Leap. The Big Leap, yeah. okay.
0: So even if I haven't read the book, I do have the knowledge and understanding that we don't always understand the plan. Exactly. So sometimes things happen that we for just reason. in that moment, we don't understand it. Yeah. But hindsight's 2020. for those of you who don't know that yet,
1: yeah, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so uh, where so was he
0: I? was super positive. You, he was very were, positive. Were you at Rent-A-Center at this point?
1: No, I was at a- Or I, you're back at Alberts. I, Al- I went to Albert's because it was next door. I felt something coming and I knew, and then things happened. So anyways, and then same thing with them. Uh, so he left, but he changed my life completely. Like my, and then another manager, I can't remember her name, but she was also super positive. She was my my supervisor and she would, she would, hey, good morning sunshine. Like she would make me feel good. Everything was positive, and the whole store was just, you know, bright. Everything was beautiful, but then I saw some changes, and I'm like, "Something's gonna happen here." And sure thing, they, I left uh, to a uh, back to not a rental center. It was a runway, similar business, and like a month later, they closed the store down. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I was I moved right at the right time. So then I worked the runway, and then uh, I was I was storeman, uh, system manager, and every morning I would go to the bank and make deposits for the for the business. And one time I knew the manager, he's like, hey Juan, we're looking to hire people here. Do you know anybody that might be? I said, me? I thought from Brandon Center to this would be a cool change, right? Really? Yeah, they're looking for bilingual people. Speak Spanish, bilingual. So I I don't even have a, I had my GED, didn't graduate from high school. So uh, that was always something that I had in my head that you know what, I'm not worthy because I don't have a high school you know, diploma or whatever.
0: It's weird how we can kick our own butts, exactly. even harder than other people.
1: Well, you have to show because people would come in with a degree and they would automatically go to the front of the, you know, front of the line. And it used to change; it changed a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you can see that. Now it's who has the willingness to do things versus just because you know how it doesn't mean you're going to do it right.
0: yes yes that is very true
1: right so anyways i went there got a job and it was beautiful they trained me for three months and i fell in love with this like i never felt like i felt like never i never belonged to those places but when i went in here i'm like this is it this is what i love however i had my two girls my wife and they were paying me so little i was barely was on
0: commission right probably or a lot of it commission in this type of role
1: it was uh commission it was we had a base salary but the commission was bad because then as, as they started thinking, oh, how can we expand this business? They brought so many bankers that the pie just got really small. And I did it for about a year. And then from the bank, again, I think for, first of all, learning about the financial world. I, I actually got my investment licenses to sell life insurance. and Like six and
0: 63?
1: Six and 63. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I fell in love with it and I learned how to do loans. And I did refis. We used to close the documents and everything. So I learned everything from the right way from the ground up, mm. but it wasn't paid the bill. So I went to open accounts at a business, a construction company. And the girl that went with me, her husband worked there. And I said, what is this like? How much you make? He was making twice as much as I was making at the bank. And I said, how can I get a job
0: here? <laughs> I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> yes.
1: And I said, can you give me a job? He was like, yeah. I said, okay, what do I need to do? Get your commercial driver license and come in here. Okay. So you go get your CDL. Mm -hmm. Got my license, and then so I. You don't know all this story. This is great. There's a lot. This this is the first time I've ever
0: heard like this part of the like. I've I've known the overview of it, so I'm really enjoying this. I just have to let you know that this
1: is a good story. Thank you. Thank you. Very good story. Appreciate that. So. I go get the commercial driver license, I pass the test, and I'm like, okay, I need to get a truck, but where do I get a truck from? So my brother, my sister-in-law's husband works for Parkinson's, which is a garbage company here in Sun City, and they pick up the, I don't know if you've seen them, they run and pick up the garbage mm-hmm. by hand, and they're running back and forth on the street. So I say, guys, I have a commercial driver license, I just need to pass the test and I'll work for you guys. And they says, um, okay. They gave me a job, and but I wasn't driving a truck they had me picking up the garbage. Oh my gosh, that was a nightmare. That's really hard work. And you can imagine picking up the the garbage in this heat. These streets are super long for anyways. So I did it a month later. They said, you know what, go ahead and take the test. You're good to go. Took the test, passed the test. And I'm like, I'm out. See you guys. (laughs) Went to that construction company, got me a job. And I was there for a long time. So this is back in 2006. As soon as I left the bank, uh, the guy who helped me buy my first home, I bought my first home in 2004. He says, Juan, I I heard that you left the bank. Do you want to do loans? And I said, of course, what does that look like? I had no clue. I was getting 200 bucks for a $200,000 deal or a refi or whatever. And he showed me how much I could make and I'm like, I'm sold. You're like,
0: I was on the wrong side of the business
1: there. You don't know what you don't know, right?
0: Yep.
1: So um, this was 2006. 2007, I get my real estate license. I'm going to do both. Yes. And then 2008, the market crashes. Yes.
0: I remember 2008 very vividly. (sighs) Me too. Very vividly. I was working at the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce at that time. So um, I remember there was a business, and I don't recall the business's name right now, but it had been in business for over 100 years in Arizona. Right. And they went out of business. They were not able to pull out of that time in 08 so it was a really rough time for
1: everybody much everybody everybody yeah. we were all in in a bad. so 2004 buy my first house um i bought it for a good price then 2006 i feel like i got it all you know figured out make that a rental with an adjustable mortgage It gave me a second home with eight and ten percent rate people that complain about the rates now have no clue it was eight and ten percent what did was- it
0: used to be in the 70s
1: 18%. Yeah. So, eight, 6, 7% was a great rate, Yeah. right? So, anyways, I go and buy this other house and I tell my broker, dude, I'm scared. He's like, you know what, just do a deal a month. You'll be able to pay your mortgage. Okay. And then 2008 hits. Wasn't
0: that easy to get a deal a month
1: in '08? was it? No, in '08 there was nothing going on. Uh, everybody started losing their homes. Uh, I learned how to do short sales, how to get properties for investors. I still kept my job in, in construction. And thanks to that job, I mean, I still have Really, really good friends from there, still. Yeah. Like, we're still friends. Yeah. And I worked there until 2009, and then I'm an entrepreneur, so I started a hot dog stand. Really? well Yeah, I used to do events for dealerships. So I used to go to the dealerships and mm-hmm. sell so hot dogs.
0: What happened? So I want a hot dog, a pair of shoes, a homemade, homemade taco. Yes. What else? I'll get
1: you a loan, a eventually. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, Yeah, I tried that for a little bit. It didn't work out. So I went back to work. I called the company. They gave me a job again. Uh, But then again, I tried again. I was going to sell tamales. I said, "Okay, let's do this. And we did it. And then I figured it was a lot of work. And I'm like, this is not going to work out. So I couldn't go back to the company because they were laying off people. Mm -hmm. So I did a, a few. Actually, they opened up a rest- new restaurant in Phoenix and surprise, my wife and I were working there because at this point, we have to just both pull because she never worked until then. And I says, you know what? I need your help. Yeah, Let's do it because they're paying me 10 bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour. Now we got 20
0: Yeah, Yeah. And
1: that's how much I was making on my previous job. So
0: That was uh, probably really hard too because she'd been a stay-at-home mom for some period at that point.
1: She's right? been a freaking... Uh, no matter what, she never gave up. And again, I was very negative. So she was the one that kind of... Straighten me out and say, Dude, "We're going to make it." And yeah, good. She she's a, she's she was very positive. The first book we read together, we were when we just got married. She uh, recommended me. That's why I recommend books all the time. It changed my life. Yeah. Uh, the book, The Secret. Right. Yeah, I, like that I remember putting a, a hundred thousand dollars on a dollar bill, and uh, anyways, that's that's one of the things we did together. But we we bonded and we're like, you know what, we got to we're gonna we're gonna make it. And she never, I don't I don't think we ever had a. Uh, we had it rough in the sense that we couldn't buy nice stuff, but we always made it. Like We, we always okay. had a roof on our table, and we were actually making decent money back then, like $70,000 a year, okay. doing all my jobs that I did and <laughs> pulling everything together.
0: Having five jobs and everything, but like the reality is that even if we don't really love it, we do have to do what we need to do you in really order to make choice. the ends meet, right? Yeah. But not everybody sees it that way. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things that I really want to impress about people when they are listening. You just sometimes have to walk a little bit blindly with the fact of knowing that you're doing the right thing and that you're doing hard work, you're doing all of these things to work towards something. Maybe in those moments you may not exactly understand what this is all gonna do for you later on. But I can tell you in my own hindsight's 2020, right? Is that And I remember of times feeling like I I can't succeed. I won't make it. Having the imposter syndrome, um, all of that stuff or like I'm not going to ever make enough money to buy a home or all of this stuff. Right. But I just kept like pushing through because of mentors, because of good family, because of whatever things you're like, you're doing the right stuff, you're doing the right stuff and it eventually does come to fruition. Definitely. So there's somebody out here right now that has five jobs and a family to support, and they're gonna hear this, and you're gonna tell them what happened next.
1: Okay, before we go further, I think the phone might die. I was just thinking about it, the battery. Ooh. Let me look at it real quick. We can this a little bit. Yep, it died. It already died? Yep.
0: That's okay. just have podcast, We'll just do this one a okay. We won't have video on this one and we'll, I'll, I'll edit this one out.
1: Okay, so uh, come 2009, I'm, uh, I'm I'm lost. Like I'm like, what am I, I going to do now? So I went and we worked at that uh, that restaurant, and I told my wife, "This is not going to cut it." So I went and applied. I still had my CDL. I went and applied at a temp uh, agency for CDL drivers, and um, they gave me a job. And this was driving a semi truck. Already at this point, I had gotten my Class A driver license to drive big trucks but I've, I've never driven one before, so I was scared. And I yeah. said, I'm not gonna do it. So I called my brother, I says, dude, I, I got a job hauling, uh, I don't remember what it was, I think it was vegetables from here to Vegas. And I'm like, I don't wanna kill myself because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. So I said, can you teach me? Cause he on the truck. Says, yeah. So I go over there and this actually, my niece's husband, he had his truck available. And he was musing He's like, "Can you show me?" So he showed me the ropes. We drove it a little bit. I felt comfortable. I said, you know what? I'm ready to go. you
0: you go in any mountains?
1: What's that? Did you yes. go into the mountains? Well, I had to because yeah. I didn't know what to. We have what... to
0: learn the downshifting and like all the stuff you got to do to make sure you don't lose your brakes. And yep.
1: there's going uphill. You can burn the engine, right? Yeah. So um, I learned how to do that. And as I was there, my brother's like, "You know what? We're hired, They're hiring at, a, at the company that I'm at. He was holding crude oil, and I he's." Do you want to apply?" I said, yeah, right now I'll do anything. So I went in, applied, and the guy said, yeah. When can you start? I said, well, let me just tell my wife that I'm going to be working here. So I I called her, I said, you know what? They, they're giving me a job and it's pretty good pay. At that point, I think it was like five to 7,000 a month. So I, um, I came back, I had a Geo Metro. Have you seen the movie, Fun with Dick and Jane? <laughs> Have you? Yes, I have. Okay, am that, that like, was, I'm just
0: laughing because yes, I
1: have. That was it. So we had a little, geo. I had a little geometric without <laughs> AC. It didn't have the fabric on the on the top. So there was, the sponge was falling apart. So I had to wear safety glasses so that <laughs> the, the, the sponge wouldn't come into my eyes, the particles. So, cause I have to it. And a hat, so up. it
0: doesn't go in your hair, right? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I I came back, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna just load up clothes so that I can work and then I'll come back to you. often as i can so we did that for six months and um i kept calling my previous employer hey anything going anything going and i would call all the supervisors because as when you drive the water truck, you pretty much serve as a whole area of of everybody because we used to do big government jobs and these jobs were huge and so i was with the carpenters with the electricians everybody they would need water and i would just supply it right so Finally, after six months, they actually called me and say Juan, uh, we have a position open. Can you make it?" I said, "Yes, when can you be here? you tell me I'll leave right now so yeah. he says, "You can start on Monday. this was like on Wednesday, and then so happens God is great. I believe that he lined yeah. everything up. My wife was gonna go with the girls so we can go to Disneyland so i uh, I'm getting emotional mm-hmm. uh, they get there and and we go to Disney and I say i'm I'm ready so came back and they gave me the job and then after a few months they said you have to go to Tucson because there's no more work here with the same company I said okay we had to do what we had to do so they moved me to Tucson and for six months I'm staying there with a friend who owned a little trailer I was coming back every day with a crazy dude that would drive because he wanted to see his mom every night He lived in Phoenix, so Luz used to take me to Phoenix at two in the morning, drop me off, so that we can leave at at two in the morning, two fifteen, be in Tucson by four fifteen, four thirty, and then work the whole shift. Get home. Get back at seven. Luz would pick me up, go back, eat, sleep, and then go back and do it for six months.
0: Whoa, that's crazy. I'm sure that was like pretty like that was probably like a challenging time for you, I would assume.
1: Again, it was we're doing it, and my wife she never complained. She would get the girls, put them in the car at two in the morning, because, you know, we're Mexican, we're not even by themselves. So.
0: Ever. (laughs) Never, ever.
1: No. Um, So we did it for a little bit, and then uh, I I got tired of it, and I I was, Luz was actually helping me. She went to work to, actually, at this point, we were doing well, but she wanted to work at the school so she can be with the girls and see what they were doing. So she was at a charter school working in the cafeteria, and I would call her manager. Do you have any work? we're opening up another another school then we're gonna need a, a supervisor there and I said okay I can do that.
0: well you wanted to go work at the schools
1: I just wanted to come back home because I was in Tucson
0: <sighs> gotcha okay Swear. you were looking for alternate work so you don't have to do this commute anymore I gotcha.
1: exactly okay. so I I called them until he says okay come on over I got him tired I'm in sales right always so <laughs> he, gave, <laughs> he gave me a job of 10 bucks an hour pretty soon i realized that, that wasn't enough right so, so. back to
0: the 10 bucks an hour again yes. you you went through this a few times
1: well i was already a, i was a realtor and i still do a deal here and there right yeah. but i i always wanted to do this 100% i wanted to be a real estate agent full time okay. i just hadn't figured out yet especially being in the middle of the crisis right
0: like how where do you fit in get in where you fit in and you weren't sure where you were going to get in and fit in right?
1: exactly i was i always wanted that so and i quit like used the hot dogs the tamales and now the third time um, I was at Century Twenty One, and and I told my manager, "Man, I've been wanting to do this for forever, full time, and I'm gonna just quit the job and just try it." This was 2011, and I was scared. Property was were selling for thirty thousand, fifty thousand. I was doing mostly oh, yeah. rentals, right? I so um, I quit my job, and I got scared. And the manager's like, "Juan, you've done it before. Don't do it. Just stay, stick with it."
0: I've heard this, um, Einstein talks about the hundreds and hundreds of experiments he did, um, or even um, Thomas Edison for that matter. These famous people, inventors, talk about all the time, we only hear that like the one thing that they did that worked, but they had to do like a thousand things in order to get to that one thing that became a famous invention or a famous theory all of that stuff. So just remember, there's a lot going on that we don't know about, but there are people out here that wanna support you. Um, Right now, I don't have a dedicated Facebook to this podcast, but if you want to follow me and some of my guests, please come to my Facebook. It's under Heather Darren. Um, I do have an Instagram, that's also Heather Darren. Um, And thank you for listening today and can't wait for you to reach out. I wanna hear your stories if you have a story that you want to share, definitely throw it my way and we'll set up a time for you to come and be a guest as well. I hope everybody has a great day. Make sure that when you do see a, my podcast live, like it, comment, share. Um, it's the only way that I can grow and it's the only way we can share a message with more people so that they can grow as well. Have a great day, guys.
1: My words come from my soul.
0: Okay. Control of one's own path is a destiny that a man must choose.